Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. When I was drafted, I told you I was doing this, and you're not coming along with me. And that's one of my biggest regrets to this day that I didn't involve my home state and my hometown more in that success. Earlier on the show, Pro Football Focus Analyst Bruce Gretkowski, Pro Football Hall of Famer Peyton Manning, seven year NFL veteran Joey Harrington. Coming up, Washington Post NBA writer Ben Golliver, plus actor Kevin Connolly. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Leaf here, filling in for Rich Eisen. It's been a unbelievable show, right? You heard the guests. Uh, we're having an absolute blast. Uh, ben Golliver is going to join us here in one second. Kevin Connolly is already here sitting on the couch getting ready to go. Saw his old buddy TJ Jefferson. We're going to have a blast. First right time I've ever had an in-studio guest as the host here, so this is going to be pretty cool for me. Nice. Good friend of mine. Um, let's welcome into the show Washington Post NBA writer, Mr. Ben Golliver. Ben, how are we doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Ryan. I'm down here in New Orleans. Just uh, saw the Suns wrap up their series, headed up to Memphis uh, to catch them here. In a couple days, my favorite time of year. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well, and I wanted to, to talk to you about that game in particular. First of all, simply because of the performance by Chris Paul. I think the biggest thing is that a lot of people didn't expect Booker to go, and he did. He got some limited time and and and, and, and contributed, but that game was so back and forth, and Chris Paul was just absolutely perfect. Yeah, you know, it was an amazing atmosphere at Smoothie King Center. The crowd was going absolutely nuts. The Pelicans are up 10 at halftime. And just slowly but surely, you got the veteran old man game from Chris Paul to just pull that back in Phoenix's favor. He kind of set things even in the third quarter. And then in the final two minutes, he completely took over, just orchestrating on a different level. You know, it was painful loss for the people in New Orleans because obviously you know, Chris Paul used to, to play down there. He kind of eliminates his uh, former team. But you just saw their, um, the, the savvy that they, they worked up uh, through their finals run last year, Chris Paul finding DeAndre Ayton, setting up uh, you know Devin Booker for a clutch three, and then some big defensive plays by Mikhail Bridges. I think it was really a nice statement win for the Suns, who had struggled a little bit in that series without Booker, to just let everybody know, hey, going into the second round, we're back on track, we're ready to do this thing. How important is DeAndre Ayton? Uh, we saw the importance of, of what he was able to contribute uh, a year ago, but it's a year later. Uh, Devin Booker, the injury uh, limited him. You know, Chris Paul, you know, is getting up in age, even though he did what he did. How important is DeAndre Ayton in the next round? 
Well, he's huge. He had a great playoffs last year. He came into last year's playoffs facing all these questions about right. hey, he's a young guy, young centers struggle. Is he going to be able to do it? And last year in the second round, he actually had a head-to-head uh, matchup against the MVP and Nikola Jokic. He held his own, really held Jokic in check, and was the really the key X factor in that series. It's going to be a totally different challenge this year in the second round going against Dallas. They try to spread you out. It's all small ball. It's all shooting. It's all guys who are going to try to make DeAndre Ayton cover a lot of ground. And so for the challenge for him this year, it's not about banging with the Joker, you know, one of the biggest bodies in the NBA. It's all about really quick footwork and then trying to make uh, Dallas' small ball, uh, you know, punish them on the other end and try to get some scoring around the basket. You know, we can see, you know, uh, you know Phoenix might try to, to actually – uh, go away from Aiden at times in this series to try to play matchup basketball with the Mavericks and go a little bit smaller themselves. I think that's one thing to kind of keep an eye on. Does Monty Williams stick with Aiden, or does he try to mix it up uh, in this series? Yeah, speaking of that Dallas team, right, Luka Doncic wins his first playoff series. Uh, they do it on the road, all three teams last night on the road, clinching their series uh, with victories. Uh, you know, Talk to us about Dallas and, and that matchup in round two. Well, it's such a funny scenario, right? Because Luca is basically year four, and we're waiting for the breakthrough. It's his third time in the playoffs. Is he finally going to be able to get it done? You know, if he wants to be mentioned as one of these all-time greats, you know, guys like Jordan and LeBron were, were making the playoffs and winning series pretty earlier in their career, and Luca hadn't done it. And the amazing thing is, like, he wasn't the, the main driving force in that series. It was actually, you know, the, the Robin to his Batman uh, with, with Jalen Brunson just outplaying Donovan Mitchell in the first round and really establishing himself as, I think, one of the most coveted free agents this summer. Jalen Brunson is going to get paid because he torched the Utah Jazz in that first round series. So the nice part for Luka is the pressure is off because he finally did have the playoff breakthrough. He's no longer the guy who's never won in the postseason when a guy like Trey Young and DeAndre Ayton, you know, guys from his draft class that already had some playoff success. He's got that monkey off his back. And even better, he's got a supporting cast that really stepped up and showed that they could do something in the postseason, whether that's Jalen Brunson, Spencer Didwitty, uh, and Dorian Finney-Smith played some great defense in that first round, too. So Lucas sitting pretty right now. He's thinking, well, I'm a little bit rested. I'm back healthy. I'm on the court, and I've got a lot more help than I had in last year's uh, playoffs, for sure. The tricky part, though, is they're going against the best team in the league, yeah. the Phoenix Suns. You know, Mikhail Bridges is an unbelievable defensive player. I think he's going to get a lot of time trying to slow down Luka, and that's going to be a really, really fun matchup to watch. Uh, it is. I'm, I'm looking forward to that that matchup. Um, the third game of last night, of course, the 76ers traveled up to Toronto, and uh, they absolutely put a beat down on the Raptors team. Um, they looked like the team in the East that – is capable of doing that with with Joel Embiid and and Maxi and, and and everybody playing at the top of their their game. Uh, how did they um, how did they overcome? Because I think a lot of people were were pulling on the cape of Doc Rivers, thinking, "Is he going to do it again? Is he going to do it again?" And this team came up and played their tails off to get them to the next round. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, I think everybody was waiting for the Sixers to fold, right? Whether it's Doc Rivers or James Harden or yeah. Joel Embiid. I mean, a lot of questions. People kind of waiting for them to choke. Um, you know, I was actually joking and calling Toronto America's team because it felt like everybody was rooting for them to knock Philly off, even though they're the only Canadian team in the league, right? Um, but, you know, when you step back from all the narratives, who's going to choke and all this, Philly had the better star talent. You know, Toronto kind of came into this series exhausted and banged up. 
they had played their main guys a lot of minutes during the regular season, and they were just a little bit tired. And you see Fred Van Vliet, I mean, really a limited impact as that series unfolded. By contrast, you've got the best player in this series in Joel Embiid, who really was able to kind of fight through uh, the thumb injury that was bothering him these last couple of games and just emerge above everybody else as the, as the predominant physical player in that series. And then also James Harden had an extra day of rest prior to that uh, game six and looked like he was, you know, back uh, to a throwback version of himself from a couple of years ago, setting up his teammates with great passes, scoring the basketball a little bit, um, and just really able to keep everybody involved. They need that version of Harden if they're going to beat the Miami Heat in the second round. You know, I think the Heat are going to be favored in that series. The Heat are much deeper. They've got more playoff experience. A number of their players have been to the finals in past years, whether that's Jimmy Butler, um, Kyle Lowry. I mean, they've been some places that Joel Embiid hasn't been. Uh, but there are some favorable matchups uh, for Philadelphia. You know, Embiid is much bigger than Bam Adebayo inside. And then James Sarden uh, and Tyrese Maxey. I mean, someone's going to be able to get the pick on Tyler Hero, who's kind of a, a defensive weak link. So Philly's going to have a shot. I'm picking Miami, but I think it's going to be one of those series that's really hard-fought and tense. I expect some flagrant fouls, probably some trash talk in the media. It should be like good old-fashioned 1990s basketball. Um. The Memphis Grizzlies and Minnesota Timberwolves. We're speaking with Ben Golliver, Washington Post NBA writer. Uh, game six tonight up in Minnesota. Uh, they can close it out. John ja Morant has been spectacular late in games. Minnesota has just crumbled. Uh, kind of give us a scouting report expectations for, for that matchup. Well, this is like the last team standing, right? It's like who can avoid blowing the game as the team that wins, right? I mean, there was even so many mistakes in that game five where you mentioned it was John Morant's best game of the series. I think he had like 13 straight points to close that thing out for Memphis in just a spectacular game-winning layup and everything else. But there was still so many just minor mental errors on both sides or strategic errors that you know maybe these coaches would want to get back. I think if you're Memphis, it's one of those series where if you win game five, you're probably going to win the series. That felt like a very pivotal victory. They now have two chances to kind of close out Minnesota and the biggest problem for the Timberwolves, to me, has been D'Angelo Russell. He has not showed up for prime time. He's kind of a max-level player, a guy who's made an all-star team, was supposed to be you know, kind of the floor general out there. I don't think he's done a very good job of keeping Carl Anthony Towns involved. I don't think he's really struck the right balance with Anthony Edwards. To me, those two guys, Towns and Edwards, have actually been the driving force for Minnesota, and they've kind of left Russell behind. If Minnesota wants to force the game seven, they need a much better performance from D'Angelo Russell. I'm not sure they're going to get it. Hey ben, uh, real quick, I'm not sure if you've seen the referee assignment tonight in Minnesota, but <laughs> Scott Foster's doing the game. So get ready for game seven on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, everybody thought he was going to help Brooklyn extend their series. You know, Jason Tatum fouls out in the game four, and then sure enough, you know, Brooklyn finds a way to blow it. So the refs can only help you so much. I mean, still the players are going to decide this thing, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, look, there's been the, the officiating in that series, by the way, has been all over the map. I mean, just kind of very inconsistent. You saw the, the Grizzlies coach take a fine. You know, he was actually calling the officials arrogant. I'm sure the NBA league office didn't love to hear that um, after one of Memphis's losses. But, uh, you know, this is what happens when you get young teams. You got guys like Jaw and Anthony Edwards who are just trying to find their sea legs in the playoffs. And it makes for very exciting basketball, even if it's not always the crispest play. Well, even in it's not just that series. You saw Joel Embiid kind of going back and forth with Nick Nurse, who was kind of complaining all series about the the calls in that uh, in their in their games. 
Oh, absolutely. NBA has been handing out fines left and right. You got Jimmy Butler doing obscene gestures and everything else, right? So, I mean, this is the best time of the year for the NBA. I think that the spotlight is on. These players are trying to make reputation. And I think one of the big takeaways from this year's playoffs, no LeBron, now Kevin Durant's out, right? This is a new wave of superstars who are all saying, wait a minute, we're not in the shadows anymore, right? Now, now is our opportunity to be the headline players. Let's go out there and dominate the headlines and, and be the, you know, the guys that everyone talks about on Sports Center and everything else. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing a changing of the guard in this year's playoffs. Ben, now that Dallas is taking care of Utah, what's next for the Jazz? What do you think this team needs to do, or what are they going to do in the offseason? Well, I think they're probably going to blow it up. It just becomes a question of how much do you blow it up. The, the interesting thing that people haven't really talked about is they have a relatively new owner and Ryan Smith, and he's from that area. He has always been a Jazz fan, even when he was a kid, right? So it gets to be hard if you're the owner where you're saying, well, this is an organization I've loved for decades. Am I really willing to trade away a franchise player like Rudy Gobert or a franchise guard like Donovan Mitchell and take a big step back and go into a rebuilding program, right? Like, it's one thing if you're just kind of doing it from an analytical perspective and saying, well, this is the right thing for us to do right now. It's another if you're an owner and your heart's really into it and you have that connection. So, you know, we'll see, is he really willing to take the plunge there? To me, it's just time. This formula has, uh, you know, hit a wall. It's not working. If you watch Rudy Gobert in these games, I mean, he is just so demonstrative and negative towards his teammates. You know, sometimes he's stomping his feet when they make defensive, uh, you know, mistakes or they blow coverages. And that stuff just wears on guys. I think it's time for a culture shift. If I were them, I would very seriously consider trading Gobert, even though he's been there quite a while, and even though, to me, he's their best player. And I would also explore the market for Mitchell and see if someone was willing to overpay in a trade to grab a guy who has you know, that marketability, that, that name recognition that a lot of teams seek. You know, Mitchell had a very tough playoffs. I don't think he's as bad as he looked against Dallas. Uh, but at the same time, the vibes were just off, and it's time to really uh, you know, hit the button and blow that thing up. What about what does that mean for for Quinn Snyder then too? I mean his name's been batted about his contract. Uh, what 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 does that mean for for the head coach? Yeah, I mean we'll, we'll see. It's very strange when a coach is under contract and he has those kinds of uh, conversations come out. You know, more than a month before the end of their season. So I would say that's to be determined. But if you're saying is he going to be coveted around the league if he were to move on? Absolutely. I think he's got himself in that conversation as among the. NBA's most intelligent and well-respected coaches. Um, obviously, he had a long coaching path to kind of get that first job, you know, a bunch of twists and turns back when he was in college. And I think he's put all those things behind him, and now he's in a spot where people just view him as being able to construct a really high-level defense. And at the same time, he's overseen the NBA's number one offense multiple times here in recent years. So, you know, if you're a thirsty Lakers fan or – uh, another team where you, you've got a job opening. I mean, I think Quinn Snyder's <laughs> right at the top of the list, right? Hey. Thirsty Lakers fan. There's plenty of those here <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> I know that for sure. Well, trust me, I know. I live there. I'm, I'm 2,000 miles away right now, but I still hear from them, you know? Oh, Ben Golliver, everybody. Washington Post, NBA writer. Thanks for taking the time with us and, and educating us on all the NBA playoffs. Appreciate you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Oh, yeah, no problem. Take Enjoy care, games. All right, Ben Golliver. Uh you know, when we come back, Kevin Connolly is going to join us. Um, Kevin and I met on the golf course. And if you are a golfer, like I know a lot of us are, and maybe Kevin will be listening to this one, get out and get the rogue irons, yes. right? The Callaway didn't just create their longest irons ever with the new rogue ST. 
They made their longest irons ever perform at the highest level for every player. Rogue ST irons come in four different offerings, each model using artificial intelligence. I told you yesterday that scares me, artificial intelligence, but this must be in the good form. On high-strength 450 steel, the only irons ever to do so. Their Their most popular iron of the bunch is Rogue ST Max. It's designed for the widest range of players because of its refined game improvement, shaping, and incredible combination of speed, forgiveness, and all-round performance. But for you low to mid-single-digit handicappers, Rogue ST Pro will give you that hollow body construction in a sleek, compact player shape. Callaway's best game improvement model is the Max OS, which gives you mid-to-high handicappers total forgiveness with high launch, wide soles, and enhanced offset. There's also Max OS Lite, their most forgiving high launch iron. It comes with wider soles and increased lofts in a lightweight package for players with slower swing speeds. No other irons perform like the new Rogue ST irons. Find your Rogue ST irons at callawaygolf.com backslash go rogue. When we come back, our buddy Kevin Connolly joins us live in studio. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eisen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Leaf here, filling in for Rich. Uh, if you were listening, uh, you TV viewers out there, uh, our next guest was was talked about that. Um, and uh, Jerry Ferrer, Kevin Dillon were both on the show. Welcome to the show, Kevin Connolly. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Um, so. Tell us a little bit about that story, all right? So you you broke your leg. Yeah, it's funny to hear to look back at that and hear the. Uh, the rendition also, again, right, that we're coming out on that. It was seven years ago that, that yeah, they did this interview ago. in here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so all right, what happened was, and, and the story goes, is that I was like essentially showing off in front of Russell Wilson, which, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, you know, I didn't see it that way at the time. But I guess in hindsight, you know, you could say I was showing off. I mean, we're, we're out on, the, on playing beach football and Doug Allen, who's the uh, executive producer and creator, director of the movie as well. 
He says, all right, listen, guys, I've been hearing you guys for eight years talk about foot speed and who's got better hands and this and that. So we're going to do one play on each side. Jerry's going to be on offense first. Kevin, you're going to cover him, and then we're going to flip it. So I think Jerry's going to go deep. I mean, what? You get a chance to do it one time. You're going to one time. We, Jerry, okay, runs like a, a seven-step, and he – he cuts in. I was like, I, I, this is unacceptable. So I, and joking around, I just, I knew he was kind of mad too. I just laid, I just drilled him. I laid him and I buried him into the sand and, uh, I could just feel his body tight up. I was like, Jerry, I was only kidding, bro. Don't be mad. You, you had to go long. Right. So we swip it, we swap it around. And, uh, I say to Russell, I'm going, I wanted to do it. Uh, what would, what would be when you go deep, but you go like the a, other way, like a corner, like a deep corner, a route. deep corner. Yeah. Route. But we were there was like a cliff, and he's like, "I'm not throwing you a deep <laughs> corner. I'm not throwing you a deep corner route pass. It's you gotta, it's gotta be in, in, cut in." I'm like, "Okay, great." So run it, and he airmails it. Russell Wilson, I whatever, love Russell, world champion. He airmails it. He said it was because I was short, but I don't care who it was. <laughs> he, he, no one was catching it. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't catching that. He was that. afraid. Okay. That he didn't want to hurt me in his, in his defense. So we get the second play. Now, Jerry's still fired up because I, I viciously <laughs> came out of the backfield and laid him down in the sand. Um, and it's funny because Jerry was talking about the imaginary play, but I don't know. It, it, it was. So I, I catch the pass, and I'm reaching for, I don't know what I was trying to. An imaginary what, goal line. What it looked like would have been the goal line right. based on nothing. And um, <laughs> he just kind of slid down my leg. But, yeah, you know, and Jerry, we both heard it. Jerry said, what was that? I said, I, I, that was my leg. And, and this is kind of disgusting, but. The analogy I always use, you know when you get sushi, you know you, you split, split chops, split chop chopsticks. chopsticks. Yeah. That's kind of what, Ugh. that was sort of what it sounded like. Ooh. But I'm laying there in the, in the dirt. It's very early on in the movie. It's a big movie. I think something like 60 people had flown in for these cameos. I mean, it's Brady, Gronk, Edelman, Tyson, Jim Gray. I mean, the, Walbert, the list goes on and on. Everybody that you've ever known is there. And I'm laying face first in the sand going, my leg is broken. I'm in big trouble. So I had to kind of just like BS my way through the next few days. And thankfully, um, you know, I was wearing, I, we were at the beach, so I had sunglasses on. So I might have had to hit a cocktail to take a, take a little bit of the <laughs> edge off. Bit. <laughs> I was, in fact, working with, a, my leg was broken in three places, you know. Wow. And I literally walked around on it. And it's funny, there's one scene in the movie where you can see Kevin Dillon, I just had to get to the other side of the room. Kevin Dillon had me by my belt and was like I was using him as a crush, uh, as a crutch to get to my mark. And then finally I tapped out. I'm like, guys, my leg is banged up. And yeah, it was broken. So um, did they have to do surgery on it? Oh, yeah, I got the plate, the screws, the whole bit, you know. Yeah. So so I can tell you when it's going to rain. You hear that, but it's true. Yeah, it's yeah. I always oh wild. no, I can. That's the, that's yeah. truth. Any any guy that's had surgery or a former football player, you know when the weather is so weird. turning, right? Because we have like black. I have like blackout shades, and I'll be like, I think it's raining. <laughs> I'm just thinking about. I'm, I'm thinking about gutsiest performances of all time. You know, you hear that story. Philip Rivers did the playoff game with a torn ACL. Right. Tiger wins the U.S. Open on a broken leg. Jack Connolly finishes entourage. Garage. With a broken leg and screws and pins in his two and a half days, I, I did. About. I did two and a half yeah. days with the leg, and there, it was. We were going into lunch on that third day, and I was like, "They're like, all right, well, when we come back, we're going to shoot." And I and said, "You like, know nah. what? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not coming back. Yeah. You're going to. I'm shoot. leaving for lunch. I'm going to the hospital. <laughs> so what? Because I'm dying. What? What happened with that? Did they have to do some rewrites, or did they just? 
postpone some shooting or just shoot around so, you for the time being? Yeah, well, I went, I went, when I went to the doctor, he's like, listen, you know, you need surgery. Uh, you're going to be in a cast. I said, I, but I can't be in a cast. What are you talking? I can't. I'm like, we're doing this thing. We're shooting like, I, a, I don't know what you want me to tell a you. A huge budget movie here. Yeah, he said, you need surgery. So what we did was, actually, I only missed a couple days. We did the surgery and then we just did all um, the shots Shot you above, from knee above the knee. And then when we went back, with the insurance, because it's funny, you know, the insurance company goes through and, you know, it was on film. It's funny because Jerry's right. It didn't make the cut of the movie, which right. is terrible. Um, but they went back and, you know, so they get the insurance claim. And then we just did like a few days of, of just a bunch of shots of me walking. So luckily you didn't have any uh, scenes with uh, you and some of the special ladies in uh, uh, in the bedroom. No, I did. <laughs> Ooh. I did a scene with uh, I had to do a scene. Like that with a broken with a bro- leg. With a cast on? No, my it was the day I broke my leg. Wait a minute. You oh, seen yeah. at the beginning of the movie where you're in your your room? No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. The, <laughs> at the beach house when Ronda Rousey and Jerry walk in the room. Oh, so that and, leg. Um, your leg was broken for that. My leg was broken in wow. three us, Ronda may have looked at you and just said, Hey, way to tough it out. Well, no, you know, funny funny story about Ronda, but the funny thing was that I was sitting there and the girl I couldn't move, so we had to do a thing where she was sort of on top of me, and I was like, ow, ow, and she kind of rolled her eyes at me as if I was being dramatic. <laughs> like, I'm not that I was big. like, no, really, I, I swear, I think my leg's broken. She's like, okay, okay, what do you want me to do about it? Sorry, your leg's broken. Um, but Rhonda knew that I had kind of worked through it, and then, uh, like, at some other point, when Rhonda was promoting the movie, I don't know what podcast she was doing, they said, uh, who would be the last guy to tap out? And Rhonda was like, you know, Jerry's going to kill me, but, you know, I think Connolly taps out, taps out last. Yeah, it's a ripple waves through the, uh, wow. the entourage crew. So, what an but, um, it was great, man. It was fun. It, it uh, for all of you out there, uh, we're talking about the entourage movie with Kevin Connolly here. Um, the show was such a hit for so long. And right. it, it really kind of put HBO on the map again, really, at the time. It was before yeah. Game of Thrones. It was before it, it just became this instant hit for uh for pretty much everybody generationally it didn't matter who was watching it people seemed to enjoy it and what was that like for you uh you've been acting your whole life right you know i go i watch you in in rocky five and 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 up to this point and now it's you guys are the talk of every talk show on the cover of every magazine and it's the biggest hit in america yeah and and, you know for people that know anything about like the television business, you do a pilot, right? right? So it starts with one episode and, and I've done a bunch of pilots before, right? So you don't, I don't know. It's not, it, it's not that I didn't think the pilot was good, but you, you learn to manage your expectations, right? I've done some excellent pilots that never saw the light of day. So it was, the show got picked up, but you know, I, and I think the experience was different for everybody, but certainly for me, the show aired on a Sunday night and, and my life, uh, was never the same, like starting the next morning when I woke up, which was r- really kind of like it just happened. Yeah, it's kind of like you being drafted in the NFL draft, right? I mean, it just boom, it boom, just your life happened. changes forever. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are. Uh, everybody thinks you're a multimillionaire immediately. <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, exactly. But the the, the other um, part about it is like I, you know, and you know, TJ will tell you like I, I was running, kind of running around. So I was around town anyway. So I kind of for me the hardest part was. You know, like I always said, there's nothing worse than getting chased by paparazzi that aren't trying to take a picture of you. Right? <laughs> like running from paparazzi, like I would always be part of the like the getaway where they're not chasing you, and then all of a sudden 
you are kind of in that. And that was it took a little uh, adjusting. It, for it me was incredibly hard to adjust to that. I remember walking out of the house that I rented in San Diego and right. there's a news van with a satellite dish on it parked at the bottom and they were just following me around wherever I went. How do you... How do you prepare for something like this? At least you'd been in the business a bit right. during your whole life. But, you know, remember, this was like at the crack of the, of the, God, we're dating ourselves here, the crack of the internet, yes. really. I, I, I can remember one night I walked out of somewhere. I don't know. I was probably with, we, was probably, we were probably together somewhere. <laughs> I walked out, I walked out of this place and there was a guy with a camera and I was joking with him. I said something. And then the next morning I start getting these calls. I'm like, what is this? They're like, oh, you're on this website. You got to check it out. It's called TMZ. <laughs> yeah. It was the first time I ever heard. TMZ, it was like, and now it's, you know, obviously yeah. TMZ has become this whatever, but, um, you know, remember, this is like Twitter or Instagram. This all happened while we were on the show. Kev, remember, they used to have Hollywood uncensored first. Right. Before, and then that kind of transitioned celebrity, into TMZ. Like, yeah, celebrities, celebrities uncensored. uncensored. Yeah, yeah celebrities how, mad uncensored. Was, how mad was <laughs> yeah. that guy when Harvey turned around? But yeah, so um, all that stuff happened while we were on the show. So it was, it was kind of strange. And, and truthfully... You know, some of these kids today, how they deal with it, I, I don't, I think that some of these people don't get the credit. Like, I, I don't know, for, for, to see like what a guy like Justin Bieber goes through. I mean, well, I, I think, don't know. I don't know that I, I would be built for that. Well, I mean, he, he, he struggled with it too. Every, yeah, but that's like so, the internet now is so next level and so crazy. I don't know, not for me. You no. know, Ryan, I think that, you know, I was having to talk with some of my friends about this. And I think the, the difference is the kids today, they welcome that stuff like they they want those cameras on they they want to be filmed in the club you know if we were back in joseph's or ad back in the day someone pulled out a phone you know pantera slayer would slap you in the head but now it's like these influencers they want that attention so they they want to be chased down the street we're back in the day guys like you you was like nah man we're doing our thing back up woody or whoever the you know the camera guy was yeah back then probably for us it was more about picking your spots with it like there were moments where i didn't want anybody to see what was going on but the narcissist in me still was like hey look at me look at me why aren't you looking at me (laughs) right (laughs) what we talked about is like you know back in those days it was went 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 yep right if you heard that at the club you got in trouble you know now these phones and how anybody can navigate through anything it's it's just uh it's uh you have to be on point uh at at all times um i i want to See if you, you want to hang for another segment. Sure. I want to talk about um, what you're doing now. Okay. Um, and I kind of want to talk uh, and tell everybody kind of the story about how you and I met and right. how this has evolved and some of the, the work we've done together and how impactful it's been for, for, for me and, and for everybody who's had it. So when we come back, Kevin Connolly's going to stick with us and we're going to finish up here on the Rich Eisen Show. We'll be right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Kevin Connolly and I were just talking about um, uh, my podcast, Bust, that uh, in the height of COVID, uh, Kevin had joined a golf club called Mountain Gate Country Club. I had been there, um, and I saw an, a time on the, the, the T-sheet the night before that was open uh, at like 6.30. Yeah, you and I were early guys. Yeah. We yeah, always we, first tried to be the first ones out. Yeah, so um, I, I saw the name. Right. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think, to, I didn't, 
I didn't think it was was Kevin Connolly. Uh, so I showed up and I have my head down and all of a sudden I hear your voice. Right. And then I boom, I picked up immediately. And I'm like, it is that Kevin Connolly. Well, I remember you because you are you, smartly very covid sensitive. Right. So you Ryan didn't wear like a mask. He like had the. He wore like a full head wrap. <laughs> All you saw was his eyes. But like once he stood up, I'm like, oh, that's definitely him. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ryan is he's a big guy. And certainly when, when he hit the ball, but we we hit it off and we started playing golf a few days a week. Yeah. Uh, in the morning. And I was telling you a little bit about what, what, what you were I doing. was working on with uh, Action Park Media and sort of. And, and I kind of just said that. Uh, and I remember telling you in it this way. I said, I think we could do something that could really help people. And um, so we kind of started out on this adventure together. And I came in to the studio and we started to kind of lay down some some audio just to kind of give us a story frame. And I remember when you uh, when you texted me and you said, I I didn't fully understand what you meant when you said we could help people. Well, uh, again, that's the the nicer version of the story. And and I always kind of feel bad about this. But, you know, I'm looking at the story and I and I said to Ryan, man, this is a great idea. We could. We could make some some money here, Ryan said, <laughs> and and we can help people. I was like, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, help people, yeah, yeah. Financially, uh, spiritually, uh, you know. But Ryan was all about right away. His first thought was, I need to get this message out there because it can help people. And it, it's funny because in your first thought, you think it's a, it's a sports podcast, and of course, it's the backdrop of sports, but it really is not. It's it's mental health and and self help and and kind of laying it all out there. And I've always said, you know, Ryan is, um, again, I don't know if it's unapologetically apologetic or apologetically unapologetic, but you want to hear the story? Here it is, warts and all, you know? So not easy to do, right? I mean, you put yourself well, I, well, I think this is, there's, a, there's a point to this, right? Uh, I had to trust you. Right. And we had to, we had to develop a friendship. And, right. I, and it was, I think I said, like I said, we met at the perfect time. Right. You know, where we were, we were you know, dealing with life and life, brought us together to give us something special and and we've got to experience a ton of stuff um uh, you 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 know you know my personality probably better than anybody so when we step into that into that uh, room it's just kevin and i guys that's it right kevin and i in this room and he literally just if there was something he needed verified or or cleared up he would say something otherwise it was me in front of a microphone uh, spewing my story. Yeah, when we would clear out the studio and say, listen, anybody that doesn't absolutely need to be here, yeah. you know, just take the rest of the day off or whatever because, you know, especially as we got further down the road and into your journey, it became a little bit more what was, a little bit more intense. What was funny is Trevor, our editor, right. like had no idea, doesn't, didn't know anything about sports at right. all, right? <laughs> and you were like telling him like, and he's like, this is great. This is funny. This is so, and you're like, you just, just buckle wait. Up. Just, wait just buckle up. Wait until episode six. Because, <laughs> I mean, and, and it's funny, like, you know, the, the stuff does start off kind of fun. With, right. You know, I'm yeah, sure you, you talk about it, but also people, you know, you were a good basketball player. Yeah. I mean, you don't really talk much about that, but you were like, you know, we had a guy was jamming on, dunking on people. Yeah. He was broken we backboard. Guy, we had a guy come on the show who played against me and remembers me breaking a backboard in high school. Oh, did you really? They, 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 they called in the other day and I was like, I, I almost forgot about it. I have never really told anybody about it. So, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's it, 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 the beginning part of it is fun. Uh, you know, if you've listened to the podcast or not. So, you know, they have like an A team and a B team in football. Obviously Ryan played on the A team, but he would go and show up and play with the B team, but he would only be a defensive back and he wouldn't let anybody complete a pass. <laughs> he would 
just be in the backfield picking off every ball thrown and just all the parents are like, what is he doing here? Why is he playing? Right? Why is my kid being embarrassed by the kid that just, you know, was the quarterback of the team the other day? I, I mean, I, I just, it was competing. Competitive side, yeah. Compe- competitive and listen, side. We, were, we it's still there. I mean, come on. We, we lost it. We, lost, we did get knocked out in the first round of our tournament. I and I played in a golf tournament together, yeah. but... Well, let's let's tell the story. Right. Okay. So so we uh, he had never played in a tournament before, really, and so I invited him to play in the match, uh, kind of a partner match play tournament, and uh, and we were excited. But what we didn't find out is that the pro shop or the the pro the professional made it made it. I think rule that's that, pretty standard, though. As I've come to find out, as I've come out, to find out right. too, it is pretty standard. That you can't have your partner can't be more than ten strokes different than you on your handicap. So I'm a seventeen and Ryan's a two. Right. So I had to play at a ten. Twelve. Or a twelve. You had to play yeah. at a twelve. Right. So, so he, lost, giving, he yeah. lost five, six strokes. Yeah. And he played so good that day. We should have won. We, we could we, we we have won. won. If, if, they, if, if they yeah. had his extra strokes, we would have won. And I didn't I didn't necessarily play that great. Um it's hard to when you're a two. I mean you have to shoot seventy four and if you shoot a seventy eight it's it's not it's not great. You lose four strokes. No, I'm not saying so it, it, the, the handicap is stacked against the better golfer. But you, I didn't know. I'd never played uh, match play. And when we lose, Ryan shakes the guy's hand. He's like, "Hey, good luck next week." I was like, "What do you mean?" Like Ryan's like, "Oh, they advance." I'm like, we're, we "That's it." <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. It was we like that. Like, so if we would have beat those guys, we would have went on to the next round. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, he didn't man, know that. that. Hurt. I did not know. But the round started with we pull oh, up. Boy. We pull up to the uh, first oh, tee. Okay. Ryan and I were the bad boys of Mountain Gate, the Mountain Gate Country Club. <laughs> they saw us on the tee sheet. They were, nobody wanted to play. It was just us two. Nobody we, wanted to we pull up. <laughs> Kevin kind of parks his next to mine. You know, and we're just kind of sitting there talking. And then, he, oh, and he, then he walks forward to, to do something or the other. Well, carts are trying to come back the other way. And so I just jump in his cart and move it in front of mine. So it's, there's a pathway for the other carts to come by. Sure. But as I'm moving it forward to the front, there was a guy on the tee, which was probably... I don't know, maybe 50 yards ahead of us. Like, It was mo- one of the more ridiculous things I've, I've seen. And I get out of the cart, and I, I look, and the guy who was about to hit, he's a middle-aged man, and he, all of a sudden he just kind of starts throwing a fit and like going, like, oh, my God, this guy's making noise. And, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> making, making, and I see it out of the corner of my scene. eye, and I don't know. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, just, I just I look at him, and I go, dude. <laughs> It's not the effing masters. Yeah, like it's and, and he the ball. But he also stands up, and that's yeah. the game changer when he stands up, yeah, right? So I'll 6-8 double. But, but, you know, it's <laughs> setting the stage. Like, it's the first, it's a, it's a tournament. It's the first hole. Everybody, every, there was 50 dudes out there. And I'm like, look at all these smiles on these. Everybody was so happy just to be out there. And the tournament is starting. And Ryan slides into my golf cart. By the way, it's not it's not a Corvette. It was it's whisper quiet. Yeah, Ryan glides yeah. The golf cart. my golf cart out of the way, whisper and the quiet. guy starts flipping out, screaming bloody murder, and uh, and then he they moved on. And then when they found out later on that it was was that really Ryan? Was that really Ryan? Who yelled at me? Yeah. Right. Well, the, the guy wouldn't play then. He wanted the head pro to come out to, to stop the tournament. Stop the and tournament. Made the pro come out. Made the pro come out. The pro comes out. I'm finally back in my cart eating my <laughs> breakfast, right? I finally calmed down a little bit. And the, the pro asked me, what's going on here? And I was like, man, he, he's throwing a fit. He won't play. Uh, I probably could have handled it right, better. Right. So Ryan says, the pro's like, what's going on, guys? And Ryan's like, you know what? For my end, I could have handled it better. I could have handled it better. This guy is now lighting Ryan up. Finally, I did. I, I couldn't listen to it no. anymore. I jumped in. I'm like, hey, you said some things yourself, buddy. Come on, man. You didn't do anything to put that situation away, right? So, But the guy still doesn't. It takes him a second to dawn. So a couple holes later, 
He's like, was that really Ryan Leaf? So then a couple of days later, Ryan is like, hey, man, did you get a call from the uh, general manager? The general manager? I'm like, no, why? He's like, apparently that guy was scared of us. I'm like, he wasn't scared of me. <laughs> no, I didn't get that call, Ryan. Uh, I don't think I, I think he was making sure that he was all good with you. But. Yeah, it was a fun way to start. He played great. Uh, it was cool to see him compete. Um, and we had a lot of fun. It was fun. Yeah. I, you know, if I would have known that, you know. But it was good. We, yeah. we almost won. I mean, by the way, the guy got lucky on the ridiculous putt on whatever. But. Remember he buried that from like 80 feet? Yeah, just... like off the fringe and, you know. A guy who had a, a better handicap than me getting strokes on holes that I didn't get. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not fair. That's not fair. I should have been a worse golfer and had a higher handicap as well. Yeah, that's a, now I can understand why people... Well, you got to find... a Next time you play in a tournament, you got to find a uh, teammate who's like a 7 or an 8. But some people try to get their actual handicap up before they go oh, and I know, play they're in called sand, They're called sandbaggers. Is that really? Oh, <laughs> yes. that's, that's, that's There's the a term for it, yeah. Okay. And I can't do it. Like, I, like, if there's a round sometimes that I'm playing and I'm playing poorly, I just quit the round and leave. I could have played it out and shot like an 88 and it would help my handicap go up, but I'm right. so damn competitive. Right, I'm so right, angry right. about playing poorly that I'll leave. I can't post my score, which would have pushed up my handicap, and my handicap sits at, at a two. Right. And I can't win a lot of money in anything with a two handicap. <laughs> right. If you don't shoot a, basically a perfect round, you lose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, golf, golf, golf talk golf here. Talk. That's right. Everybody Sorry. lies about their handicap. And, and Ryan, that's not even probably the weirdest car story that Kevin has with someone in this. Oh no, you guys, you guys told that story <laughs> last time. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know. Every time I drive by that corner, I think about you. I, I really do. I think it's so funny. Right on the corner of uh, La Cienega, right by uh, yeah, right tra- by Trashy tra- Lingerie, right? Tra- right by Trashy Lingerie. Trying to steal his car. I thought he just had a messy car. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, whatever. My car's pretty messy. My car's messy. It's messy. He's like, somebody broke in here and ripped this thing apart. (laughs) The steering column. I mean, yeah, it was one night. It was one night we were all out. It was I was with Ashton, and he calls me, and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to area," and I just so happened to be on that street, and so he was like. Don't even valet. Just park here and we'll save money. Like Great this spot dude too. with all the money in the world is worried about me saving <laughs> right. 20 bucks. And the thing was, it wasn't even my car. It was Wilmer Valderrama's yeah. ass. Oh, God. Laid and I parked it and then we went to area and then me, Kevin, and Ashton end up going some other place, which I'll, I'll talk about that in the book one day. And, <laughs> and then Kevin gets a, a text like, hey, there's a party in the hills. You want to go? And I'm like, yeah, I'm down. So Ashton drops us off and Kevin and I get to the car and I open the door and I'm like, oh, my God. I've never seen that. Happen. I mean, professionals, they drilled through the lock. They got into the steering column. They ripped they were it out. In, they probably saw us walking up or heard us coming. Yeah, man, it was, off. it was crazy. I never. And then I had to. To, you know, call a tow truck at like three in the yeah, morning. We had sat there. I was like, "Yo, I'll meet you guys at that party." Yeah, and Kevin was like, "All right, taxi. I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> and that's the car, man. Body story. The cops are just like they're looking at the the paperwork and like this is registered to Wilmer Valderrama. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking I'm going to jail. And luckily, Ashton was just sitting there on the side of a building, and they noticed him. And then they start making punk jokes. So like <laughs> it was cool for them. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to go to jail, but I still got to tell this dude who's in New York that your car almost got jacked last night. Right. So. You, you, yeah. they were accusing you of stealing an almost stolen car. <laughs> right. Right. <Yeah. laughs> Wonder why, um, this, uh, project that you've, uh, started, you started a company called action park media. Right. All right. And, uh, essentially, it's a, a bit of a, a, an incubator for for podcasts and developing content. Right. Uh, kind of tell us about it. you started. Was the first podcast you decided to go with was was it the Victory Podcast based in the Entourage? Well, yeah, we had a, we had a few early on. We did uh, American Glutton with Ethan Suplee. We've had a we've had a, we've had a few of them. But the idea was always to sort of generate the IP, and you know, um, 
you know, we did something called the dossier about, you know, the L.A. Rampart scandal. We sold Fox and we're going to, you know, we're, we're moving forward with, with, with Boss to hopefully get that, get that set up somewhere. But the idea is to, to um, yeah, to develop the IP because it's tough to compete with these, you know, it's such a tough market and these studios, these places have so much money, it's hard to compete with them. So, um, yeah, that's it. But in, but in the meantime, you get into these, you know, I, I don't want it to feel like it's got a negative connotation, but the kind of talking head podcast, right. they do really well. You know, and they uh, they pay the bills and they keep the lights on. So uh, while we're waiting for our our movie deal on bust, we're gonna be doing uh, we're gonna be talking some entourage. We're gonna be talking some some and, stuff. And entourage and, really had a resurgence during the pandemic when everyone was stuck at home. I right? rewatched it. 